How many people do you think are involved in a typical Sunday morning service? And some of them might be involved in two or three things. From the moment somebody arrives at 7.30 and opens up the gate to when Pastor Sean leaves at 1 o'clock and locks up and shuts everything down. Uh, I just want you to think for a minute. How many people do you think are involved in the Sunday morning service? For instance, just this morning, we had seven people on the stage leading worship. We have, because I'm a numbers guy, we have a minimum of 30 people involved or doing things on a typical Sunday morning. Now, some of us might be doing multiple things. Pastor Sean, he may be doing serving communion, but he also locks up. Some of you might be getting ready and doing some worship, but also at the same time you might be helping in, in offering or doing Sunday school or, or in the nursery. But we have nursery, we have Sunday school, we have worship team, we have somebody that serves coffee, we have somebody that locks the building up at night, we have, uh, we have somebody that comes and makes sure the heat is turned on, we have other people that make the bulletin, other people that come and they just make, uh, make sure that my bow tie's right. We have people, and, and, and we have like 30 different things that happen that require, and, and this morning somebody looked at it and said, you're off kilter. And they tried it. Does it look better now, Al? Pretty good. Not bad for a, a young fella. Just like this is better. Okay. But we have on a Sunday, and then if you have Soup Sunday, we have in the neighborhood of probably 36 to 38 people cleaning up. People. We have somebody that comes to the church whenever I ask them. During the week, I will ask somebody to come into the church and set up chairs. They don't want their name mentioned, but their initials are JB. And they, they come in, and I will send them a text message, and they will just say, yes, I'll be there. So Sunday morning, when you come for Soup Sunday, they came Thursday and set the chairs up. We have somebody that comes in here every week and flushes the toilets and cleans up a mess that we make during the week. And by the way, nobody of that, except for Pastor Nelson and myself, get reimbursed or paid. A reimbursement, yes, but no payment. So that's, uh, we want to do a, a series on community. And I'm here to tell you that this is community. A couple weeks ago, we did a cleanup outside, and I think I had 26 people that came and served and made the yard look great. On Friday, I showed up Friday morning to do some studying, and as I came, our neighbor was graciously, uh, thank God, this is a miracle. That tree that was there at the corner we couldn't take it down. The guy that took down the two maple trees had to get a proper insurance coverage because it was so close to the power lines. And the company he worked for was not prepared to extend their insurance to him to do it on the side. So he had to pull back, and, and I had a quote for it. So our neighbor called us, and we've been talking about this for literally a year. 
And he called me up this week and he said, listen, I've got a guy lined up and he's going to cut down that tree and he's going to cut down a few other things for me. It's about a $2,000 job. And I said, oh, Lord, help me. Um, and so he continued and he said, okay. And he says, and it's about two weeks from now. So I thought, okay, a couple of weeks, I can figure something out. Then he called me Friday morning. Well, I was here. I just got here. And the, there were two trucks. Actually, he had a third truck that showed up. And he was busy in the neighbor's side trimming already. And, he, and I walked in the office. The phone was ringing. And he says, hey, David. Um, yeah, the guy showed up. He says, and he says don't worry. We're going to take care of it. So our neighbor put forward $2,000 to take care of that tree. So, Lord, bless him. Bless him. And, uh, and then I contacted Levi. I sent him a text message, and he had mentioned to me, hey, if you need some help cleaning this thing, let me know. So I sent him a message on Friday and saying, hey, what are you up to tomorrow? We've got a mess, and I need somebody to clean it up. What time do you want? What time are you going to be here in the morning, Pastor David? I'll be there. I said, you tell me. He decided to be here at 7.30. Like, <laughs> I always start at infinity, 8 and beyond. But thank you, Levi. He did that for free. And he got his dad out here. And did you see how nice? I mean, they didn't just get rid of the trees. And that yard... It would have been like an obstacle course. And he came, him and his dad, they cleaned it up, graded it. It looked better now than it did before the tree fell. Thank you. Thank you. What I want you to see is we need each other. I need you. And newsflash, you need me. Don't get so high on your horse that you don't think you need me, and I better not get high on my horse to think that I don't need you. We need each other. And so I, I've been asking God, I've been praying to God, and actually about three or four years ago, we did a, a Bible school, and we had about eight to ten students, and Pastor Sean uh, carried one of the courses. He had someone help him as well, but one of the courses was talking about building each other up, and it was built around the phrase, one another. And as he taught that course, something happened in the church. And part of it, part of it was the Bible school students were required to do some work as part of their course. But also what happened was part of that also opened up and it caused something to happen within the body that caused it not just to be Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise or Pastor Daniel and Pastor Brenda, but it, all of a sudden it caused every... There, we had to have people at the door greeting people because that was part of the assignment. They had to be available to learn how to usher because part of it was a one of another or a community and something happened, and as that happened, we began to talk, and it was like, wow, this, this, is, this is great. And, and in my humble opinion, it was one of the best classes we taught at the Bible school. 
And what it did was it caused us to move from our seats to stand up and to go out and to greet people, to help people, to be involved, to be what, what it does it take. It, some of it involved cleanup. Some of it involved uh, doing dishes in the kitchen. Some of it involved uh, setting up in the morning, making sure the, the building was ready. And as we did that, we talked about it, and it was like we wanted to do something like that in the body. And uh, recently we were chatting again, and we just felt it was time that we maybe take that and let's, let's present it and let's preach on it and let's teach on it, the one another. So if you want an interesting Google... I don't believe in Google. I believe in God, but I do enjoy using Google. Um, if you want an interesting Google, Google the one of another's or the one another's of the Bible. And it's amazing because it will print up and it will give you graphics, it will give you verses, and just right away, right at your fingertips, you can have an instant study on what does the Bible talk about one another's. Don't grieve one another. Live in harmony with one another. Being devoted to one another. Love one another. Serve one another. And there's like over 20 of those in the Bible. And so this, this morning, I want to start this series. And Pastor Daniel, Pastor Sean, Pastor Nelson, uh, I believe Pastor Winona, there's going to be a number of us taking a look at this. And some of us might even teach the same thing, but have a different voice. And uh, as we share, my, my desire is that all of us, all of you and all of me, would join and we'd start to even be more active as a body. Because we're members one of another. Now I've got a passage to read, and I want to read this passage, but before I even go there, I've I got, got a few interesting thoughts I want to share with you about the body. Do you know that in your brain, the nerve impulses in your brain, Kyle, you're going to want to listen to this because you might be able to throw this at school somewhere and just kind of like be a real, like I'm, I'm the, the stud in the class here, like I'm the smart guy. The nerve impulses in your brain move at roughly 170 miles an hour. Up to 170 to 200 miles an hour. That's, that's, this is how God has created the body. And when he talks about the body in the Bible, he doesn't use that just for the reference of saying a body. He's using it because he created us in his image. And he clothed us in a body. And he created things in our body. And some of those things in the body show the complexity, the immensity, and the amazing magnitude of our creator. But that's also a picture of how he wants us to work as a body in a church setting. So 170 miles an hour. Just put up your hand one day in science and say, teacher, did you know? And, and just kind of like, be, be, be like real proud. Your brain operates, it takes about as much energy to operate your brain. Your brain could operate a 10-watt light bulb. Your body produces in a day, in less than a day, enough heat to boil a cup of water. I won't get, I won't get too gross, but maybe I will. Your foot, the sweat glands in your foot, 
Do you know how much sweat they produce? I've got it somewhere in here. I'll get to it. Here's an interesting one. People with higher IQs have more dreams than people with lower IQs. That's why my wife dreams so much and I don't. Your body is estimated to have 60,000 miles of blood vessels. To, go, to put that in perspective, if you were to travel around the world on the equator, that's 25,000 miles. So the amount of blood vessels you have in your, in your body could travel around the world twice and have enough left over to tie a bow. Your brain neurons, or not your brain neurons, your DNA, if you take the string of your DNA and you were to string it out, it'd be over 10 billion miles. Enough to go from here to Pluto and back, apparently. I've never done it, but apparently that's how far. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And the body of Christ, when he refers to our body, he's also referring to how he created the body in the church. I got a couple more for you. The surface area of your human lung is about the surface area of a tennis court. Do you realize that one lung is larger than the other? Because your, your left lung had to make room for your heart. So your left lung is a little smaller than your right lung. Men have one rib less than women. Because when my wife was created, God took my rib and gave it to her. Man, when man was created, and then he created Eve, he took of a rib. Uh, like, this is the amazing, amazing complexity, thought, predisposition of our creator. Saliva. Do you know you produce, in your life you will produce 25,000 quarts of, of saliva? which is equivalent to like two swimming pools. Now, and I'm not talking about that in the body here in the church. What I want you to see is the amazing body that God has made. And when he refers to the body and membership in the Bible, he's not just saying it for the fun of saying it. What he's, He has a picture in mind. And the body of Christ, when we walk together, when we fellowship together, there is amazing things that happen. There are, there's, there's things that happen that we don't see. Right now, we have people in the nursery taking care of our children. We have people in the Sunday school. And these things are happening, and we don't even realize it. The word muscle actually came from, I believe it was a Latin term, about mouse, because when they saw somebody flex their muscle, they thought it looked like a little mouse running up their arm. The amazing complexity of the Bible. Do you realize that your sneezes are about 100 miles an hour? So when you're driving in a car and you sneeze, you're actually going faster than the car. Your nose can remember 50,000 different smells. And women, your noses are much more sensitive than a man's. 
And that's probably why when young guys are dating young girls, they can pick up the guy when he smells. And the guy just goes right by him. Do you know that your smell is connected to your memory? So you can smell something and it connects back to a memory. Think of that in relationship to Christ and sacrifices because one of the verses in the Bible talks about a sweet-smelling sacrifice. And think about this. When you offer a sacrifice, you're offering something and it lifts up as a fragrance to your Savior and he remembers And he comes back, and he does something. Babies, pound for pound, are stronger than an ox. Mothers, you'd probably say, ain't that the truth? Babies are born with about 300 bones, but by the time we are adults, they're 206. It's not that we broke off 94 of them, it's that they've joined together. Here's one. The strongest muscle in the human body is the tongue. Talk about power of life and death are in the power of the tongue. You take about two, you use about 200 muscles to take one step. Your eyes are always the same size, but your nose and your ears never stop growing. <laughs> Bone is stronger than steel. The compressive strength of a bone is about 70,000 PSI. Steel is in the neighborhood of 30 to 60,000, and depending on it can get higher. But bone is actually, a compressive strength of your bone is actually stronger than some steel. It's brittle, and steel is not brittle, but that's, this, this is how God created. Can, can you imagine that picture in our body? that the fabric and the fiber that makes us up as a body and what holds us together as members one of another is stronger than the things that can destroy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to give you a little picture of the amazing picture and the amazing magnitude and immensity of when God uses the term, we're part of the family of God, we're a body. He doesn't use those terms just to fill up the ink on a page. He uses those terms because he knows them intricately. Let me see. Humans shed and regrow their outer skin cells about every 27 days. So every 27 days, you're a new man. <laughs> every day, an adult produces 300 billion new cells. Actually, uh, here it says, your body gives off enough heat in 30 minutes to bring a half gallon of water to a boil. Here's an interesting one. It's probably changing now, but they said right-handed people lived an average of nine years longer than left-handed people. Sorry, Mom. Now, that... That might have been an old statistic because as time has gone on, the, the dexterity of equipment and everything. But originally that was the case because a lot of equipment was built for right-handed people. And left-handed people had to either adapt or... <laughs> so they lived nine years younger on average. Interesting. 
So in our church, you can open either door. You don't have to open up the right door. You can open up the left door. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. I want to read one chapter to you. And I'm going to be quick. I'm not going to be super long. Um, But I want to share with you something. I want to read the Word of God to you. This morning we've had a lot of the Word of God. Pastor Daniel going through Proverbs 11. Man, sometimes I think we just need, sometimes I think we just need to read the Bible. Like, one sermon, maybe all I'll do is just read a chapter. I'm surprised you didn't say amen there. But I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be spending a number of weeks talking about the body and members. When I talk about body, members, I I want to give you a little, some people refer to it as a crew. Community, crew. This is my family. I've heard of the term, this is my tribe. Kids nowadays, this is my squad. This, This is my group. This is my team. So in some respects, some of those words are synonymous. And so, however you look at this as a church or as a body, you might use different terms or different words, but I I want us to see family, to see body, to see community. So I want to turn to Romans 12, and I'm going to start reading verse 4, and we're going to read a fair bit this morning, but I just want to read verse 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 to start. It says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one another, of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so here Paul very quickly has used the word members, body, one, another, many, one. And I just find it amazing that he talks about many members, one body, But he also talks about one person, individually. And this passage, to me, is just a masterpiece of writing. That he goes from a diversity, many members, to one body, to unity. Agreement doesn't mean everybody is... I think sometimes we think agreement means everybody says, yes, 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 yes. No, sometimes agreement is, yes, I agree with you, and let's push forward. But agreement carries along with it many different aspects. And just like I shared about the complexity of the body or how many people and tasks and things that happen at Solid Rock, there's 30 different things that are happening on a Sunday morning. And it's not one person that's doing them. There's everybody is involved. And what I find interesting in this passage 
is right, it's sandwiched in the middle of this chapter. There's a few verses ahead and there's verses after. But right in the middle, he talks about the picture of a body and how that we're many members, but we're one. We're many members, but we're one. Remember that. Because that means and that gives you the ability to be who you are, to be unique, to be what God has created you to be, but yet it calls forth an, a, a commandment and an expectation and a realization that although you are unique, you're part of a body. And then what's interesting is Paul masterfully goes from there, and I want to read the rest of the chapter, because what he does is he lays that out, and then he gives some examples or some rules to live by or some things to govern behavior. So he goes from talking about how we're many members and how we're one body and how our gifts and our functions. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he goes on, and in there he says, listen, if you're a hand... Don't tell the foot what to do. The hand doesn't say, foot, let me do it better. The hand does what the hand does. The mouth does what the mouth does. The foot goes where the foot goes. And so he's talking about function and, and what your function is. Do what you do and do it well. He says, if you prophesy, prophesy and use your faith. And if you serve, serve. And if you lead, lead. And if you exhort, exhort. And if you give, do it generously. And he, and he talks about that. And then what he does is he says, now listen. You're all a body. Here's some rules to live by. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor, abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of saints. Practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Don't curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of man. I love this verse. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. I love it. Never take your own revenge. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Don't, over, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And Paul has said, he says, you're a body, and now he's just laid out how a body operates. And what I find interesting is he's talking about relationships within a body. He's talking about you and me. He's talking about how we get along. He's not just talking about something down the road. He's talking about relationships and the body and the members, one of another. And I find it amazing because he talked about one body, many members. We're individuals, yet we all have our function. We all have our gift. And then he gives out a whole list of how to live by. 
Now I want to do a little bit of reverse engineering, if I could. Because this passage is sandwiched. These three or four verses are sandwiched from the beginning of Romans to the end of Romans. Romans chapter 12. And what I find interesting is Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. We often memorize, and therefore I urge you, brethren, that you present your bodies living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I have often taken that passage and attributed it to passage chapter 11. But this week as I was studying this, I found this interesting because he starts with present your bodies. And here he's talked about this body, but now he's talking about this body. And members one of another. And I find this amazing because in the context of members of one of another, he's literally put in there, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, we work together, we function together, we flow together, we walk together, we talk together, we rejoice together, we weep together, we laugh together. He says we do it together. And he says present your body a living sacrifice. As a body, collectively, made up of many bodies individually, I present my body as a living sacrifice, and when I do that, it helps me flow in what it looks like to be a body of Christ. And then he gets to verse 2, and this is what challenged me this week. He says, don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think we need to rethink what it means to be a body. I've always placed transformation happens up here, and I believe that transformation happens in our mind, but you know what it affects? It affects my body. When I'm truly transformed by the renewing of my mind, I will look at you differently. In this context, if you're going to take this passage as a context, which is extremely important in a hermeneutical principle of how you interpret and how you look at Scripture, being transformed by the renewing of your mind is directly connected to presenting your body a living sacrifice and being part of a body of believers. No longer do I have the right to put me first. I put myself on that altar as a sacrifice to God and from that, the body grows and operates. And there's one verse in here, and it's an amazing verse, and I want to give you in closing, I want to read it out of the Passion Translation. Pastor Winona and I were talking this week, and she shared this with me. She sent it to me, and I, I just want to read it to you, and I want to give you a little bit of a humorous picture with, with this. Pastor Nelson, if you ever talked with him, and he gets to this verse, sometimes he will share this picture with you. In verse 10 from the uh, Passion Translation, it says, Be devoted 
to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Listen to this. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. No, you go first. No, you. No, you go first. If you talk to Pastor Nelson, he has a picture of him and one of his brothers, and they get to a doorway, and one door's open, and they stand there, and they spend minutes. You go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. No, I insist you go first. Can you imagine what the body would look like if we are trying to constantly outdo each other in honor and respect? I'm not talking about a false humility. I'm talking about love and honor. Am I prepared to lay down my body as a living sacrifice and in that context recognize the other members, the foot, the hand, the way God created us to be? We're going to spend a number of weeks looking at the phrase one another and how that refers to community. And I want to encourage you to follow along. And one of the simple ways you can follow along is, is come ready to take notes. But also take the notes and, and think about them during the week. And practically speaking, talk to one of the pastors. Talk to Pastor Sean and Pastor Ariana, or Pastor Daniel, Pastor Brenda. Talk to Pastor Nelson, Pastor Win uh, Louise. Talk to Pastor Winona or myself and say, what can I do as a part of this body. I'm waiting for an amen. <laughs> because I'll be honest with you, we need each one of us doing our part in this body. And if you go to Ephesians 4, you find out that when every member does his part, it says the joint supply and the body increases. And our body will increase numerically, but also spiritually, and as we work together and as we flow. So over the next number of weeks, as we preach, I'm hoping you'll follow along, but I'm also asking you to step forward to one of the pastors and say, what can I do? How can I be involved? How can I, what can I do? What, where, where can I be of use? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. As we were worshiping this morning, my son had a picture of sheets falling down on people. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but I had a similar thought. In worship this morning, the presence of God was here, and I believe he wants to touch each of us. And I didn't see it as a large, I saw it as individual touching. 
Pastor Daniel shared a little bit about that. So this morning, if you need a touch from God, our worship expressed a passion of the heart as the deer pants for the water. Lord, I, I, I love you. Even as, as Olivia is playing right now, his presence is stirring. If, and if you, if you have any anxiety inside of you, if you have any, any churning inside of you if, you, if you have just an aching inside of you that says, God, I, I want, I, I, don't, I can't explain it, but just take a moment right now and just receive. Just take a moment and let him touch you. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you'd pour out on every individual here this morning in your precious name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.